Hi, I'm John Douglas, former FBI profiler and head of the FBI's National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crime. You're listening to Animals Voice Podcast, a product of the Ontario SPCA. Welcome to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McKenzie, and thank you for joining us once again. And thank you, Dr. Kirsten Graham May from Royal Canaan, Canada. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you for asking. And uh, Dr. Graham May has joined us once again on Skype. We've talked to you in the past, and we want to thank you for joining us again. We've got a pretty interesting topic to talk to you about today, and that's pet obesity. Obviously, people struggle at times, whether it's around nutrition or around exercise, and sometimes those pets can get a little bit chunky, and we're going to talk about that today. So I I guess the first question I have for you is, how did you get interested in the topic of pet obesity? That's a good question. Well, I was in practice for nine or nine years, yeah, before uh, I came to work at Royal Canin. And so I saw obese patients every single day. And what broke my heart the most is that it's a condition that's completely preventable. It's simply a matter of finding a balance between the calories being consumed and the calories being expended. And obesity is actually the second most common disease state in pets, with the first being dentistry, which we talked about last time. That's right. Yeah. So in a 2014 survey in the U.S., actually, they found that well over 50% of dogs and cats were overweight or obese. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed the number to be that high. Yeah. It's, there's various statistics quoted, but it's, it's significant. And how do you define obesity with pets? Also an excellent question. So there's basically two terms. There's the term overweight, which is defined as 10 to 20% over the pet's ideal weight. And then there's another term obese, which is greater than 20% over ideal weight. And it's not just a number on a scale. It's also the way the pet carries the weight. Uh, So one of the best ways to decide if a pet is overweight or obese is to do what's what's called a body condition score. And that's something your veterinarian can do uh, where they rank your pet's uh, body condition on a scale of usually one to nine, sometimes a scale of one to five, with the middle of the scale being ideal and a higher number than that being overweight or obese, a lower number being underweight or emaciated. Okay, excellent. And how can an owner know their pet is obese? Good question. Certainly, there's been a survey done that, again, the same survey in the U.S., where they found that 90 to 95% of pet owners thought that their pet that was overweight or obese was actually a healthy weight. So there's a misperception. Mm -hmm. The first thing I recommend is that you speak to your veterinarian and ask them to do a body condition score on your pet and also demonstrate to you as the pet owner what the veterinarian is looking for in in a healthy weight. Also being aware of certain breeds being quite prone to obesity. There's quite a long list, but some of the big ones would be pugs, golden retrievers, Labrador retrievers, my personal favorite, beagles, dachshunds, and basset hounds. Um, So just being aware that certain breeds are predisposed to it may help you increase your your height and awareness, I should say, that your, your pet may be overweight. Now, when you talk to people, do they get that there's an adverse effect? I mean, what are the effects of obesity on pets' overall health? Well, it's a lot like people. It's going to sound quite familiar to many of us, I'm sure. So joint disease is really common in obese pets. So arthritis, and that's a painful condition, of course. Diabetes, just like people, particularly in cats, are they are prone to type 2 diabetes, very similar to humans in that it's... If you're obese, you're more at risk for becoming a type 2 diabetic. And by losing weight, sometimes you can go into remission. So same thing with cats. Cardiovascular disease like hypertension or high blood pressure. 
urinary tract infections and bladder stones, and then some really awful things like cancer and even a, a shorter lifespan in general for oh. obese patients. So really important to make sure that you're keeping an eye on your pet's health. We're going to come right back after this break and talk to you, Kirsten, about what owners can do to prevent and reduce the effects of obesity on their pets. But we'll be right back. Making arrangements before the chaos of an emergency, such as a bad storm, can increase your pet's chance of survival and greatly reduce the fear and anxiety your pet will experience. The Ontario SPCA recommends developing a family emergency response plan. This includes setting a primary and alternative meeting point away from the home in case of an evacuation, and listing emergency telephone numbers where all family members can find them. It's also essential to create a pet emergency survival kit. The Ontario SPCA also recommends that at a point of evacuation, remember to take your pet with you. For tips on what to include in your kit, please visit ontariospca.ca. Welcome back to Animal's Voice Podcast. We're talking to Dr. Kirsten Graham May from Royal Canin, Canada, talking about a really important topic today, pet obesity. Now, we were just talking about some of the adverse effects that obesity can have on your pet, and, and certainly none of those are outcomes we want for our furry friends that we love so much and then you know members of our families. So what can owners do to prevent and reduce the effects of obesity in their pets? Well, prevention really is the ultimate goal, um, and there's a number of things that can be done to reduce the, the rate of obesity in our pets. Uh, awareness is the key, so awareness of what constitutes an obese pet, what it looks like. Society's perception of fitness uh, has certainly shifted, and we've become somewhat desensitized to what obesity is. There was actually a fairly recent study done where they did that body condition scoring on show dogs, so ideal specimens of the breed. And the study found that 26% of these show dogs, and these were winning animals, were overweight. So it's the awareness of what an obese pet is has certainly changed in our society. Um, also awareness of what an appropriate feeding quantity is and also feeding habits. So knowing how much to feed your pet and how to measure that food is really, really important. Lots of people use various things to scoop their pet's food, not always a measuring cup, unfortunately. And even using an actual measuring cup, there can be a huge variation in how much food is fed. More often than not, pet owners are rounding up. And one study actually showed that it can go up to an 80% overfeeding with a measuring cup. Wow. So this makes a really, yeah, it makes a really big difference uh, when we're talking of, particularly about feeding a smaller dog or a cat. Those calories add up very quickly. The best way to feed your pet is to measure the food using a, a waste scale, so a kitchen scale, which are becoming more and more popular in, in North American kitchens these days. Other things to be aware of would be choosing the right diet, the appropriate diet. So like I mentioned earlier, certain breeds are obese prone. Um, so feeding them a, a lower calorie formulation like a light diet or a weight control type diet is going to help. Limiting treats. So treats should make up no more than 10% of the pet's daily intake. Some commercial treats that you can purchase at a store are actually really high in calories. Mm -hmm. And human food can be a huge issue. An example that I like to use is a lot of people like to use peanut butter to give their pet medication or to give them a treat. Well, one tablespoon of peanut butter may be worth about 92 calories. And a 20-pound dog should only be eating 500 calories a day. Oh, wow. So one, yeah, one tablespoon of peanut butter is 20% of that dog's daily intake. And lastly, exercise your pet. So coming back to treats for a second, pet owners falsely assume that 
giving a treat constitutes an expression of love. What they can actually do is reward their pet with attention and affection. And a perfect example is taking your pet for a walk or playing with your pet to increase the amount of exercise they're getting. Talk to me about laser pointers. I've heard different and contradicting opinions on laser pointers with pets. I mean, not specifically with cats, but I've heard with dogs, it can be actually traumatic for them because they, they never get the satisfaction of catching the dot. Is there any validity to that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not terribly well versed on it, but that's my understanding as well, is that particularly with cats, that the pet can get very frustrated if they can't catch the toy. Oh, okay. At the same time, it's really important to exercise them, and and cats in particular are, are really hard to exercise. Cats are designed for short bursts of activity, so we can take advantage of their prey drive by using activities where they they have to hunt, like toys they can catch, Mm -hmm. and also switching out toys so that they get a variety and keep it interesting for them. Okay, so that's cool. You've actually uh, given us a few ideas around cats, and that was going to be my next question was, are there suggestions for getting cats that exercise they need? Because it's not like your dog where you take them out for a walk. I want to go back, though. You, You mentioned the caloric intake. What's the easiest way to learn what calories your pet needs? Well, it's definitely important to talk to your veterinarian about that because, you know, when you buy a package of food, it's going to have some feeding guidelines on the packaging, but that's exactly what they are. They're guidelines. Mm -hmm. So it's every pet has a different metabolism, just like people. Some pets need more calories than others. So your veterinarian can calculate the amount of calories your pet should be eating um, so that you're feeding the right amount of food. If you've had an obese animal for some time and in its senior year, suddenly it has a rapid weight loss, what can that be indicative of? Oh, lots of other things. So various medical conditions, diabetes would be one. Certainly uh, hyperthyroidism in cats is quite common in older cats. And weight loss despite a ravenous appetite is the classic presentation for that. And certainly what I like to call the big C, the cancer. Mm. So cancer can cause weight loss as well. And there's many other things too. I don't want people to think that if their pet's losing weight, they have cancer by any means, but it certainly warrants investigation. Yeah, the common thread here is to, you know, make sure you maintain an ongoing relationship with a vet. When does the vet need to get involved in your pet's obesity problem? Veterinarians should always be involved with weight loss programs because certainly with pets that are significantly overweight or obese, calorie restriction needs to be quite dramatic and we have to be very careful. So for example, regular pet foods that you could buy at a grocery store or a pet store are not designed to be restricted in calories. They're balanced based on the caloric intake of the pet to have a certain amount of nutrients and vitamins and minerals. And if that balanced diet is restricted too severely, you can run the risk of actually creating a nutritional deficiency in that animal. So prescription weight loss foods are needed to pursue a true weight loss program. And they're designed to be restricted in calories to a greater degree than what you could do with an over-the-counter diet, so to speak. So that requires veterinary direction and supervision, absolutely. Certainly, just like in people, a certain speed of weight loss is also um, important. You don't want to lose weight too quickly. So monitoring these animals really closely at the veterinarian is very, very important. We usually suggest seeing the vet for a weight check every two weeks, ideally. And then, of course, exercise should be part of a weight loss program. And overweight animals are at higher risk of hurting themselves. Mm -hmm. So having veterinary supervision is important for the exercise component. There's actually veterinarians and technicians that are actually trained especially in this area, in the area of rehabilitation, and they can design special exercise programs for those pets that are quite overweight. 
With dogs, a common condition is hypothyroidism, which can actually interfere with a weight loss program, making it very hard to lose weight. So that clearly requires veterinary supervision. And as I mentioned earlier, um, obese pets are really prone to arthritis. So these animals need pain management as well. Wow. A wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time today and, and educating us on what we need to be looking out for when it comes to obesity in our pets. Thank you once again for joining us, Kirsten. My pleasure. Thank you. Dr. Kirsten Graham May from Royal Canin Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, the listeners of Animals Voice Podcast, for all of your support, sharing our broadcasts on social media, sending in your show ideas. We love hearing from you. You can find me on Twitter at OSPCA Kevin, or you can email me show ideas at kmckenzie at ospca.on.ca. Until next time, we'll catch you later. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice.